Do you fancy starting with a trip into Tom's trivia corner? Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I love is uh, the etymology of words that come from printing, uh, particularly sort of letterpress and old-fashioned mechanical printing. Um, uh, you think things like um, a cliche is a, a, set, a set, a block of stuff that was preset as a, as a print. Like lots of little bits in the language ah. come. And, and when you're setting type digitally and you, you have leading, um, between the spaces, like there's the like yep. the distance between the lines that comes from the pieces of lead that you would use to put between the the the, the type forms when you were setting up a mm. printing block. And one I've just discovered, brand new in researching for this episode, is the origin of the term boilerplate. Do you know where that comes from? Um, I imagine it's a plate that is got letters stuck onto it i don't know no. <laughs> <laughs> well i've kind of preceded you slightly but yeah it's um uh in, from newspapers when they want to uh, you know you, how uh, certain stories get syndicated particularly and it's not so much of a thing in the uk but i know it certainly was in america where you have regional newspapers but they will take in syndicated stories from the national their national What's the word for things that are connected? Connection. No. Uh, network. Yeah. Whatever the word is, they'd, they'd take it from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their, their corporate overlords would send them down pre... Conglomerate. <laughs> they'd send down preset blocks, like stories, blocks of text, paragraphs. And then, like you say, they come on a, it comes on a metal plate and it's all pre-laid. So you just put it in the press, print it, and there you go. You've got a story. You don't need to have anyone write it. Um, and they mm -hmm. look, apparently like the big metal plates that are used to make boilers. So oh, that's why they call okay. them boilerplate. This is all according to Wikipedia, wow. but it, I feel like it <laughs> instinctively feels like it checks out. I feel, you know, no citation needed. It's obviously the truth. Yeah. A rolled steel plates for making boilers. There you go. Horse in climbing, smooth overlapping and undercut slabs of rock. But I assume that's not what we're here to <laughs> no. talk about. <laughs> no, we got way into the weeds there. <laughs> so you, you, suggested this as a topic for for an episode what do you think of when you hear the term boilerplate i think of some code that's kind of already there um like to help you get started essentially with like it does all the layout and not mainly the layout but it does like the stuff you need in like a html site you need like meta tags and stuff I, you kind of a boilerplate makes me think oh they'd have all that stuff there so i can just get to writing my um my actual content I suppose. And I was thinking that the plates would be like, instead of like getting different stories, it'd be more like uh, you'd have your, the edges of your newspaper. So you'd have the title of your newspaper and then the, the bit where you just change the date and stuff. Oh, would I would be give the you the layout. Plate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I imagine it. But that's more like templating, perhaps. Well, I think the way you described it first is kind of how I see it as well. Like it's mm -hmm. code that exists to sort of, get you started it's scaffolding to build on top of um and in, in some places to to kind of use wholesale um and i, I have mixed feelings about it oh yeah. i assumed it would be generally a good thing um you kind of think oh that's less code i have to write i have i have all this stuff set up ready to go i can just get on with the actual worky bit instead of all the admin essentially it's like code it's like getting rid of the code admin isn't it having a point of play <laughs> Like, I don't have to deal with setting all this stuff up. It kind of it's just going to be there for me. Yeah, I think we should probably get into the weeds of like good examples of of boilerplate and where it's used in sort of practical examples, things that people can actually use. But I'm going to like spoil my hot take on it 
from the very start. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you've worked in a, an office for a fairly long time. Have you come across the not invented here syndrome yet? Well, everything that's broken wasn't was done by the person before us. Yes, pretty much. Is that what you mean? Yeah, almost. <laughs> but then also, all code that you haven't yourself written is legacy code, and therefore must need to be refactored to be good. It's, ah, okay. It's yeah, I guess. Completely, <laughs> completely not true. But I think it all the time. I <laughs> hate using other people's code, and yet I'm conflicted because I use other people's code all the time. I literally would not be able to do my job in any form without continually relying on loads and loads and loads of boilerplate stuff at all the different levels of the stack. Like even day to day, there's little little snippets that I just kind of use without thinking and, and don't even, I use them so often and they're so, I almost think of them as part of whatever language I'm using that they're not, <laughs> they don't even register as boilerplate. If I stopped to think about it, I would obviously mark myself as a massive hypocrite every time I say, oh, well, I only like writing, I only like using things I've written myself. Because in every single project, no matter how much I think I've hand-rolled and customized it and made it my own, the percentage of code that I've written that's in the project versus the percentage of code that someone else has given me is, yeah, that's a bad ratio from my perspective. <laughs> yeah, you're making it sound like all your work's copied from Stack Overflow. No, well, it's not even <laughs> that's that. That's not boilerplate. No, is it? <laughs> but using, like, say you're using a framework. It's not boilerplate. I don't, th- I don't think. I think this is where the semantics get sort of tricky because boilerplate is not it's not a specific scientific term it doesn't mean a specific thing it's kind of you know what does it feel like i don't think of react as being boilerplate that's a framework in my mind and i don't think of um underscore as being underscores as being boilerplate whenever i end up using that which is not actually that often but i do use it quite a lot and that's a library with lots of helper functions for javascript um I don't think of either of those as being boilerplate. They're sort of tools that I use when I'm constructing my own things. When I think of boilerplate, I think of stuff like um, what Bootstrap is the canonical example. You come across Bootstrap? Yeah. Do you think of that as boilerplate? Uh, Yeah. Isn't that just... I don't think of that as boilerplate. I think think of that as like a a tool set of things that you're going to go and draw up on. Like you, you decide which bits of it you're going to use. It's not like anything's been forced upon you. I don't think, yeah. At the outset. Boilerplate always, to me, feels like the thing that you start with. Like Mm. I'm, I'm creating a new app. I don't want to have to write it all again. I'm just going to bring in the boilerplate and then I'm going to start working on top of that. But maybe I've got, maybe I've got confused. I think a lot of people treat or used to when it was a thing, treat bootstrap like that in the, so Bootstrap, for those that don't know, is a kind of, I would call it a CSS boilerplate. It's a list of like pre-made CSS rules, and you they give you some classes, and you can put classes on things, and then they customize your elements. I've never really used it. I've always kind of hated it, and I don't. You can see it a mile off as well. Everything looks something looks bootstrappy, um, <laughs> which I've never liked, and I've always reacted against. Um, but at the moment, there's one, there's a similar thing gaining a lot of popularity called Tailwind. Have you come across that yet? I haven't, no. No, so Tailwind CSS comes from a couple of fantastic UX experts, and we'll put the link in um, in the show notes for this. Um, They've written a fantastic book on like rethinking UI design and coming at UI design as a developer who needs to know just like the hot tips that you need for good UX um, to improve things. And the book is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I I recommend the book very highly indeed. Um, And now refactoring UI, I think it's called for the for the show notes and they've put together this it's essentially kind of like bootstrap but 
it's really good and they've put a lot of effort into <laughs> the, like the icon the iconography <laughs> that goes with it the icons you get with it are beautiful the layout i mean you can it has a smell you can see apps that have been built with it but it's like at the moment it's solving a massive problem in that a lot of developers hate doing ui work um, but they need to build apps and they need to build interfaces and this gives you a whole load of stuff essentially for free which is what i think of as and, boilerplate hmm. what 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 dif- differentiates it from bootstrap it's good i think is what differentiates it from bootstrap <laughs> it looks good is that what you're saying yeah and i think it's well code i mean i've never dug into the code of bootstrap and it's i think it's well put together and it's it's a valuable tool or was a valuable tool for a lot of people i never liked it i never liked the the look of it never liked the feel of it never liked using it and would rip it out of any project I was I was touching. I think Tailwind I would probably approach a bit more. I'd be a bit more cavalier going into it now. I wouldn't be quite so dismissive. I'd, I'd accept it more willingly without thinking. Mainly because it comes from. I know I, I'm aware of the pedigree that it comes from. I, I'm still not <laughs> going to use it myself. I like like my job is a UI front end uh, CSS person. So it's like saying yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like yeah because I've been using, using it would be giving up. I feel like. <laughs> called Bul- Bulma have you come across that I think it's the name a, sounds a familiar. similar sort of thing mm-hmm. that's a CSS framework yeah but then they're, they're, that's what they're calling themselves frameworks yeah, they're not, they're they're not boilerplate hmm. but I think I, I think certainly with Bootstrap the thing was a lot of people were just oh we've got this UI that is dumb semantic HTML but no styling at all shove Bootstrap on it chop done yeah yeah i think or they'd start the project and it's like oh we're going to we're going to come up with a design later but let's just use bootstrap for now and then we'll customize it and like add our colors and right brand feel yeah um which i think of as that's the role the boilerplate serves interesting okay yeah i'd never i'd never thought of boilerplate like that before yeah because um, i always thought of it i i came at it from someone when i started learning and like i was like oh do i really have to write every time i want to make a page do i have to write html at the top and then write head and then write title and then write meta and then put in these links and stuff i thought to me having a boilerplate was having all that stuff there and then having the body that was empty essentially and then you put your stuff in there <laughs> so yeah i guess there's i guess that is a boilerplate as well isn't yeah it? i i i think of that as a boilerplate as well i think i i just also extend it to include maybe the other things that we were talking about because what you've just described is 100% boilerplate stuff that I use on every project. Um, mm. For every project, you are, I, I, it's been, I love static sites. I love like little simple websites that are just HTML and do just what they need to do. But even for tiny, simple things, I will use something like Eleventy or Jekyll, something to kind of give me a little bit of scaffolding to make things easier. And one of the side effects of that is for every single project I do, I only ever write the HTML tag once. <laughs> ever <laughs> and then it never gets touched it's like boom and i don't even type it out i just type exclamation mark tab order completes the scaffolding of a, of a html block with a head and a body and, <laughs> and it kind of shoves everything in uh, because it's yeah such a fun it's such a fundamental part but also such a base part of it that it you don't really you very rarely touch it. I go in and meta tags, for instance. Like there are standard ones you need everywhere. And like if you're making websites these days without a favicon, then shame on you. you know, I, I will think less of your site when I look at it. <laughs> it doesn't have a favicon, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, he says having published many many sites without favicons. <laughs> <laughs> so don't look at my site. Yeah, laziness is <laughs> laziness is uh, 
fine. I will accept it as an excuse because <laughs> I'm guilty uh. of it. But that kind of stuff, like I have so many projects that I've worked on. It, sometimes it's just copy paste the root HTML of the last couple of the last site you worked on and start from there. Um, I do have what I call skeletons, which are um, like for different platforms. Like, and thankfully, I don't make WordPress themes anymore. But I had a basic WordPress theme that I built over probably about five or six years. Just spent like every time I did a WordPress site, which was every couple of months, start a new one. I'd, I'd revisit the the skeleton, add some new stuff into it, and then there were other other people that also done the same thing. There's a I know underscores is. Um, the new version of Lodash, like JavaScript utility library we've already mentioned in this episode, but there's also a starter theme called underscores, which is a WordPress theme, which has all the kind of Mm -hmm. the beginnings of an accessible and well-structured and semantically put together WordPress theme. Right. So that exists as boilerplate that is intentionally designed to be built built upon. It's very, very basic. I think when people use the word skeleton, it generally means, oh, we've got all the stuff you need, but there's no styling. You 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 need to still make a website, but here's a load of stuff for free. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, I think they're fantastic. That's, yeah, that's the, yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if it's I. So when I first used things like that, so I I used I I created a React. Not a React. What am I? Am I mad? I didn't create a React app. <laughs> oh, the whole secret React oh, under that. current um, work that I've never <laughs> come across before. <laughs> a Django app. Um, so when I was like exploring Django and what it did, it, it has a thing where you you type in like start Django. I, I can't remember what it was, but there's a Django's, command line argument. Django's a framework. Just, Django's a like, you... Django's a web framework. Yeah, not not CSS and stuff, but it's like the the back end framework, yeah. I guess. So when you start that up, you run like uh, let me look it up and I can actually tell you. Ba 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 ba. It's like quick start or something. Django, you, yeah. So you just like, so you type uh, Django dash admin start project and then the name of your site, and then it creates all this stuff for you, essentially, which gets a very simple Django application running. Um, but one of the things I struggled with was when I did that, I was like, ah, there's so much stuff here, uh, and I kind of got lost in the amount of like files and folders and stuff that were created, and then I, I kind of that got in the way of me being able to actually understand what was happening. Like I, I liked, like the Flask is another Python web framework that does a similar thing, but you kind of, you build it yourself from the ground up, whereas this one kind of throws loads of stuff at you. Um, so I found that quite confusing as a beginner um, using these things. Well, I think the being overwhelmed by the amount of boilerplate that comes with a new project is a real thing that happens. I mean, I, uh, mm. as I'm a React developer, I build React sites. The thing in the React world that everyone seems to use when they get started is uh, create-react-app, which is a little command you just run, and that sets up, like you say, a boilerplate React app. Like sets yeah. up. It's, it's pretty simple what it does, but it's so complicated under the hood because that is a very, very complex Webpack setup. And Webpack mm. is famous for driving people crazy. Um, <laughs> I love it. It's, a, it's, it's completely revolutionized the way I work my last sort of a couple of years of development have been what, three years now uh, have been infinitely better for using webpack than before i used webpack it solves so many problems but it isn't half complicated to learn and it puts a lot of people off i think um and create react mm-hmm. app handles all that for you so it boom you get this like 
fantastic dev environment with hot module reloading where you can like make changes and instantly they appear on the site you don't have to press re refresh or anything i mean that's pretty old hat but it also comes with a whole load of like best practices and how to structure your react application um and it's really 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 good and like a lot of boilerplate it's like the established way to do it and this is it's like the happy path for building an application is you use the boilerplate that your framework is recommending and you use that and you will have a happy time until you need to do something that it doesn't support. And then you've got an infinitely more complex system to pick apart. I mean, I found that when I first, I've not used Create React App in, in well over a year, um, but the last time I used it, uh, I ended up ejecting is the uh, Create React App term where you kind of undo all the, the stuff they've done for free and you dump it out. <laughs> um, it keeps it all, but it, it kind of expands. Like when you do Create React App, it keeps it all sort of almost hidden away from you. So I think they right. deliberately thought like they know that people get overwhelmed by all this stuff being <laughs> shoved in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they've thought about that. So it is. this is one of okay. the best examples of this kind of boilerplate that's around. Um, and then when, yeah. when you eject it, it's saying, oh, I don't want you to help me anymore. Just give me everything. And they just dump all the mm -hmm. stuff that they've got in the root folder. And you, well, not, it's, it's structured and you, you get, the, you get yeah. the Webpack configs to play with. Um, and then you can you can go hog wild that way, but it's much harder because there's like five different webpack configs for different scenarios. Like, are you building this? Are you building it? The development? Are you building it? And the React app that I work on most day to day has all that has that level of complexity, but I've put it in piece by piece, um, so I know. Yeah, I probably don't know everything because we're a team and there's a lot, there's, there's other stuff going in there, but I have a good overview of what's going on and i can kind of mm -hmm. smell when things are iffy and i know like what is like established what's idiomatic within our project um, whereas if it was a create act, react app there's a whole load of stuff that i just i'm i trust that it's useful because smart people have put it there <laughs> but i don't know what it does yeah and i don't necessarily like working like that yeah yeah interesting yeah i that you're gonna become a react developer because it looks so nice no no i wasn't gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> I'll win you over one day. <laughs> I think I'd I think I'd go view or something if I was going to do it. I think if I was picking one now based just on like feel and what people say about it, Svelte would be my choice. I did like playing with view, but never enough to actually ship it to production. The logo's not as nice. I go. I prefer the logo for view. View is very nicely branded. It is. It always has yep. been. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it is good having these kind of command line things that that give you loads of code and do all this stuff for you but i wonder if maybe for someone starting out and is thinking like me when i started out i don't want to write all i don't want to write html over and over again i wonder if there's a way you could like create almost i guess a boilerplate but like a bit like a template for yourself that every time you start a new website or you start a new project or something you can kind of just copy and paste this template that you've made and then start working from there i guess that's kind of like rolling your own sort of boilerplate is that something you've ever done yeah, I mean that's exactly that. That the WordPress skeleton I was talking about is an extension of yeah. that. Essentially, that yep. grew out of the hand-rolled HTML templates that I was doing previous to that, mm -hmm. uh, before I started using things that put it all together for me. Um, so that <laughs> that's well, I, I I can recommend it because I've done it and it worked out nicely for me. Um, yeah, and then I think if you're using a boilerplate that you've written yourself, you have an innate understanding of it that you may not necessarily have of something that someone else has written. Um, it also means that you've written it, so it's full of all your flaws and all the th your omissions, and it's only it's limited by your knowledge. That's the thing I bump up against most with my own boilerplate, is that other people do way cooler stuff, and I don't know how to do it, so it's not in mine. 
<laughs> and I'm probably missing out on a whole load of great things. Um, it comes back to that uh, learn the fundamentals versus learn something that's going to get you hired. I think if you could learn, like take React, for example, we were always saying learn React, you could just learn how to like build something cool on top of create React app. And that's enough to get you hired. That's that's like job stuff there. Um, yeah. Whereas you might end up being a better developer if you pick it all, put it all together yourself from the individual parts and learn each bit at each step. Um, so you do start out by just sort of making that HTML, uh, vanilla HTML template and working your way up from there. But it might take you longer and you might not make as much money in the meantime. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you should do it that way because you'd be a better developer and long term that's much better for you but maybe if you're if you're absolutely starting boilerplate is massively powerful to getting you from nothing to a working project that you can show someone and they can find it impressive yes it's almost it's a way of stripping out the layers of things that you don't need to care about like say you've got an idea for an application maybe it's got crud operations inside it uh, create read update delete all that kind of stuff maybe it does have multiple pages and a menu structure and a header and a footer but they're not the core bits of your idea that you want to get like, that you need to accomplish to feel like you've achieved something that stuff is massively impressive if you learn it for the first time and build it but you're the only one that cares at that point <laughs> I mean, it happens all the time like, there's loads of stuff that's really hard to learn and you feel like the king of the world when you've learned it you really are the boss of everything and you're, like, you're feeling really really good but that's just like other people know that that's not you've not achieved anything new whereas you can very quickly if you rely on if you lean on certain boilerplates like take react app for instance uh, create react app you can get to the point where you are implementing an, an idea of your own and that can be really simple but it like to do a really simple idea without any boilerplate is well a it's harder and b it's not necessarily going to be as impressive whereas if you've got the core of your idea you can show people and go look at this amazing thing that i've built it's got this, this cool like um it's a musical instrument made of kittens and you, you press the kittens and they make a noise. Mm -hmm. um, the idea, no one else has had that idea before. So that's impressive. People can look at it and then they see all around, oh, this is a website. It has a menu and it has an about page. And when you hit the kittens, they actually do make a noise because that's triggering. It's the web, web audio API underneath. You might have used a boilerplate to like handle, you might, you might have used something like Tone.js that makes making sounds on the internet easier without having to learn the fundamentals. But you've got yeah. like, something that you can show people and they can remember you for. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. And then you can always go back and understand it more, unpack it or whatever the... Yeah, I, I'm conflicted. I, I, afterwards. I honestly don't know what's the best advice. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you need a job, the best advice is what you said. <laughs> yeah, I think... Just get something running. <laughs> yeah, essentially telling people to run before they can walk. And yeah, that might come back and bite you. But, I mean, who cares if you're bitten? If you're, you know, you're working, you're in an environment where you can more happily deal with being bitten. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like uh, boiler plates can be useful if they're used in the the right place. But I guess just like everything, be a bit be a bit wary of it. And if you've got the time and you, you're not under loads of pressure, try and understand what's going on. If if not, just use the boiler plate to your advantage and and stay away from bootstrap. <laughs> I mean, that's the negative spin on it, but um, maybe lean in, look at Tailwind. That might scratch that itch if that's something you're thinking about. I think boilerplates are great. And if you can roll your own, all the better. We didn't even talk about my CSS boilerplate, um, which maybe we can come to in another yeah. episode, but there's a lot in there. I mean, that's like, that's my baby. That's what I take with me to every new job and force <laughs> on everyone, no matter whether they like it or not. And then they will end up liking it. Uh. <laughs> 
or at oh, least tolerating <laughs> it more than, or at least as much as they tolerated what they had before. <laughs> so that's just something you built up over time, is it? Yeah, that's probably my own. That's like, it's a yeah, it's a, an amalgamation of, of all sorts of different people's things, um, but it makes everyone's CSS projects so much nicer, and it's like my yeah. only lasting legacy <laughs> at the moment <laughs> from the the trail of many places where I've worked. Is that that's a thing that people interacted with. <laughs> ah, brilliant. Thanks a lot for listening to this week's episode of A Question of Code. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at AQOCode. And you can find us online at aqoc.dev and aquestionofcode.com. And there you can find all the information you need to get in touch with us and suggest topics for future episodes and maybe guests that we can have on. Um, And also all the ways to share and recommend this to your friends. Yes. And if you do know someone who's learning to code, please do tell them about the show. We want to help as many people as possible. Thanks a lot and see you next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.